What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 497, coming to you on Monday, August 21st. It is a big episode as we are going to go through USC's 2023 schedule, walk through game by game, and talk about all of the big games. Which ones are USC going to win? Which one are they going to lose? We're going to walk through our game-by-game game predictions. But also, huge, huge major news today with USC hiring uh, Jennifer Cohen as the new athletic director to replace Mike Bone, who left back in May. We're going to react to that and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Of course, we are live here on YouTube. If you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe, help join the show, and support the show. As always, our email address is reignoftroy at fansided.com, and our phone number on the rant line, 818-643-7227. I'm your host, Mike Castillo, joined along with my co-host in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello! We are back for a ginormous episode, I think. Huge. We could have done a whole episode just on the hiring of Jen Cohen. And yeah. it happened to coincide with our big, one of our biggest episodes of the year, the game by game predictions. So yes, there's a lot to get through. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through our rundown right now. And uh, we literally have 11 pages of notes in our rundown. Yeah. 11 pages. And, and I don't even think it's as thorough as it could have been. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a bunch of stuff to go through. Uh, we're going to walk through every game, talk about all USC's opponents, of course. Uh, we can't wait for that. Uh, but a lot of stuff happening on the podcast because, Alicia, it is game week. It's finally game week. A lot of a bunch of people in the chat, a bunch of people excited for game week. Artist formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody says it's officially a game week. Woo! Kenny says game week. People are pumped up. Uh Darlene says game week, beat the Spartans. A lot of stuff going on. If you're following us on YouTube, be sure to get involved in the chat. This is this is your show. Make the thing over. Uh, as, of course, former USC play-by-play play guy, uh, Lisa Haxel Hamilton would say. Um, Alicia, a lot of stuff on the podcast coming, including on Wednesday, there's our first preview episode, game preview episode. We're going to look forward 
to week week zero, I guess. Uh, USC and San Jose State locking horns on Saturday uh, evening at the Coliseum. Thursday nights will be another Rod After Dark. We had our first members only Rod After Dark episode this past week. That was so freaking fun. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Just hanging out, chilling, yeah. uh, answering questions, playing games, getting v- general vibes from people. It's awesome. Yeah, we we had we, we we had callers. We played we played GeoGuessr. It was it was like it was like we were streamers, but yeah. we were <laughs> it's like being like, Twitch streamers. Maybe maybe lame streamers compared yeah. to like the big Twitch streamers. But yeah, it was it was a fun little hangout. Uh, we're doing those every Thursday for our members. Uh, come talk USC football. Come just talk about whatever. We're we're hanging out Thursday nights, nine p.m. Uh, for our YouTube members, you can you can become a member uh, for four ninety nine a month. You get bonus content, including bonus episodes here on YouTube. Uh, and we're thinking of doing um, post game call in shows too. Uh, wait for the the specifics on that, but that's the the plan at some point uh, this season. So we're super excited about that as well. Um, and of course, the first car cast of the season will come on Saturday night, following USC in San Jose State. Um, but Friday is the first Rotbot meetup in a long time. Uh, we're, we're keeping it low-key. We're going back to basics, baby. We're going to Shakey's Pizza in Valley Village on Laurel Canyon. We'll be there at 6 p.m. We're just going to hang out. Have, yeah. have, have a slice and a pint. Yeah, come, come hang out with us. Uh, we're going to be there. Friends of ours are going to be there, friends and listeners. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just looking to have a good time. Every time we've done a, a meetup with, with the Rotbots, it's always been a really great time. Uh, we just, it's kind of like the, the, the Rot After Dark. It's just vibing. It's just enjoying being around other USC fans, talking about USC and how excited we all are for the season. Let's get into the news. There's a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, so let's take a quick break and get into the news, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. 
store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We got to start with the breaking news. USC has unveiled a new athletic director. It's Jen Cohen from Washington. Uh, she's originally from Arcadia, California, grew up in the Seattle area, going to Husky games, and she was the Washington athletic director before now becoming USC's athletic director. First day of school, perfect time to sort of unveil a new athletic director, and Nessie does it sort of right on schedule. Uh, Cohen uh, got her bachelor's at San Diego State. She's an Aztec master's from from Pacific Lutheran, and she's the first female athletic director at USC. Lots of experience. Uh, she's been at Washington as the AD for the last seven years. She's worked in UW athletics since 1998 and is a member of the college football playoff committee. Yeah, and she's very well respected. Um, I think first and foremost, given the way that Mike Bone left the program. Uh, it's noteworthy to mention that she has not had any major scandals. Uh, she seems to be very well respected uh, from media, seems from good. fellow athletic directors, from student athletes, from coaches who have worked for her. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what Chris Peterson has said about her, which I think is, is just glowing endorsement from Chris Peterson, who is another really respected stand-up guy in the sport. Um, so that's very, very encouraging. I do not think USC is in danger of having the kinds of scandals that they have had in the athletic department uh, in, with hiring someone like Jen Cohen. Not to say that things couldn't happen because it's still USC, but like yeah. in terms of hedging your bets against that, it feels pretty good with, uh, with Jennifer Cohen. Uh, in terms of what she's achieved, she negotiated a 10-year, $119 million deal with Adidas, for Washington. Uh, before she became the AD, she was very, her origin is very much in fundraising, which should also be a very positive sign for USC because the job of the AD, when it comes down to it, don't screw up your hires and just fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. Yeah. So definitely has the fundraising down. She oversaw uh, Washington's major gifts program uh, directly before she was elevated to AD. She raised $50 million uh, for improvements for Husky Stadium. And then also as athletic director, got Washington into the Big Ten, which, you know, I, I think is is probably a better a better than not doing that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give can, her some credit for that, I guess. Can we talk about the the big swing and dick move here from SC to go out, get the AD from Washington right after Washington just agreed to get a payout from the Big Ten that is half as big as SC's? Yeah. I, I saw like Oregon State fans very upset that oh, this is another sign of collusion and all those things. And I, I think that would be more the case if there, this was the university president. Yeah. 
Um, less so with with an AD who doesn't have the power to change conferences. Yeah, well, I mean, Washington fans are are not happy right now. Um, I'll give you a rundown of what I found on Washington Twitter. Number one, uh, sort of the bitter good riddances of like, oh yeah, you said you were a Husky for life. Well, good riddance to you stuff that I saw. Yeah. Um, there's people who are like... The, the denial of the... Uh the stages of grief. Yeah. Right? Um, there are people who are legitimately saying, good riddance, your basketball hire and Jimmy Lake, which we'll talk about in a second, were terrible and you can take them with you. And um, a lot of those, uh, let's just say, most of those are coming from like people that, not that followers are everything, but like these are not, these are just, these are just randos on Twitter that are just saying this. Sure. And as someone who's on Twitter enough and researches enough Twitter, there are always randos saying something like there's just always somebody saying the one thing that you're looking for. If you're, if you go searching for it on Twitter. So there's that. And then there are people around the Washington program who are legitimately sad. Like they, they, they loved Jen Cohen. They really respected Jen Cohen and they think this is a bad move for Washington. And I think all of those come together to form one UW opinion, which is, this makes Washington look like a stepping stone program, and that is not good for Washington. Um, so USC definitely making a big move in the pa- in the in the Pac-12 footprint uh, to go out and, and get Jen Cohen. But um, we do have to talk about the hires that she has made, and I yeah. think that if you have valid, if there's if I've seen valid sort of not bitterness talking criticism of of Jen Cohen, it comes down to the hires and and. There have been a mixed bag. So you have to start for the, for, let's go with the negative first. Jimmy Lake, Washington head coach to replace um, Chris Peterson. Uh, yeah, that was bad. I don't think the hire of Jimmy Lake was bad. Jimmy Lake's tenure was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You, you look back at the time, Chris Peterson steps away from football. Everyone wanted Jimmy Lake. Like, yes. SC fans were hire, clamoring for Jimmy Lake as a DC. Uh, could, could SC go get Jimmy Lake before he becomes a head coach somewhere? Like, that was something we talked about on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody wanted Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake was someone who it made sense for in that moment. Like, there's times when you hire internally and there's times when you don't. That was a moment for me. It made sense to hire internally, especially when Jimmy Lake was a hot commodity that everybody wanted. This wasn't promoting Clay Helton from within. Not even close. Completely different situation. Jimmy Lake ends up being horrible at Washington and then made himself very fireable with, with the whole uh, sideline incident that happened. And what did Jen Cohen do? She got rid of him. Unlike the SC stuff, where SC has not dealt with things historically well, right? Like, had a bad situation, dealt with it, and then went out and made a world-class hire by going to get Kalen DeBoer a guy who's got like national titles in the NAIA level on his resume. Someone at Fresno state that again, on this podcast, we talked about as a long time, someone that we'd want SC to potentially get, um, maybe someone that SC could get as a head coach. Like I was, she went and got him. I was actively put, he was one of my top two choices for USC offensive coordinator when that job came up. And he was definitely on my short list of people that, as a dark horse, if you're going to promote, if you're going to take a chance on someone who's never right. been a power five head coach, 
you could do a lot worse than Kalen DeBoer. I would have loved that hire at USC. Obviously not, not realizing that, that Lincoln Riley was available. Yes, so he has done an outstanding job at Washington, and she made that hire, and you have to definitely give her credit for that in a tumultuous time. Um, I think to me, and I'm going to be biased already here because she's USC's AD and I, I, I like the hire. Um, to me, the Jimmy Lake experience and the Kalen DeBoer hire as a collective grouping of, of events that happened are ultimately a good thing. She made a hire that didn't work out. She was decisive when there was behavior that was not acceptable uh, for somebody who was leading your, your football program. Yeah. She was decisive, and then she went out and made an outstanding hire to replace. So to me, bigger picture, love it. Um, and then uh, on the... Also, Kalen DeBoer, not like this... Washington guy through and through, you no, know what I mean? No, no, and and by the way, Carol Folt uh, hiring uh, Jen Cohen as a as a, another AD as an outside of USC, not you know, I think you had to again go outside of USC, hundred percent, yeah. But you know, the, it, they could have gone back and turned around and hired some you know, someone who was previously connected to USC, uh, and and you know, the, wait, I think, hold on, she she wasn't an All American in nineteen seventy four, like yeah. oh yeah, uh, so. Yes, so the, on the football side of things, those have happened. Uh, she has received considerable criticism for her basketball hire of Mike Hopkins. Sure. Mike Hopkins won the Pac-12 in 2019, and it has been all downhill from there for Washington. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're a Washington fan today, the biggest thing you can look forward to is the next AD firing Mike Hopkins and moving on to make their own hire. So, you know, basketball... Uh, you know, she has one hire on a record and it's not a good one. Uh, but I will say that there was a quote from Kendall Rogers on Twitter, who uh, who is a, a, a baseball, he was from D1 Baseball. He said, uh, this is a really good hire for USC Athletics. Jen Cohen really cares about college baseball and she is an absolute rock star. So from the baseball perspective, uh, she has um, people, people seem to, to appreciate her uh, from the football perspective, she seems to very much care about football and care about athletics. I think one thing I want to highlight here is Ryan Young posted a video on Twitter from from Rivals uh, where she was talking about her nickname at UW was Sideline Jen. Mm-hmm. And uh, her ex- explanation for that is, <laughs> she said, uh, because I'm fiery, our players love that, I have their back. Uh, I've never gotten a penalty and I've never been tape recorded inappropriately. Uh, so please stay away from me on the sidelines, which I, I thought was, I, I don't know that I can express to you sort of her delivery on that, but it was very much like I've never gotten into trouble for something I've said on the sidelines, but that's because I don't want people being near me because I'm saying stuff on the sideline. That's just a little bit right. intense, which personally I love. But but is she going to talk to the refs a la Pat Hayden? I mean, is, yes, I immediately went to Pat Hayden, uh, but, uh, but I love this quote from her. Uh, I love our student athletes. I love competition. I love to win. First game at the Coliseum and all the other sporting events coming. I'll definitely try to represent the school in an appropriate way, but you will see my passion. And that is one thing that people have very much given her credit for. She cares about winning. She cares about football. She cares about uh, the, the student athletes. And um, to highlight that, Kim Grenolds of uh, of 24-7 Sports, of their, their Washington site, uh, tweeted, huge loss for UW with Jen Cohen leaving for USC. Ask any athlete at UW. She is beloved by all of them. 
Um, Shotgun Spratling tweeted, have heard a lot of good things from coaches that have worked with Jen Cohen in the past, and that is definitely backed up by what Chris Peterson said about her in the press release that USC put out. This is part of the quote. Jen Cohen is the best in the business. She is an elite athletic director and one of the finest leaders I've ever had the privilege of working with. Jen is a seasoned practitioner who uses her extensive experience to build winning environments and high-performing cultures. She is tenacious, driven, and competitive, but always leads with compassion and class. Uh, when it's Chris Peterson saying that, I take note of it. Um, there was an anonymous source from The Athletic who said, USC is lucky to have her. If they let her do her thing, she'll kill it there. And then not anonymously, Bruce Feldman said, Washington's Jen Cohen is one of the most qualified AD candidates USC could have landed. So rave reviews from around the college football sphere. The only people who are bad-mouthing this, uh, this hire are, uh, to me, seem to be bitter Washington people and Oregon people who just want to laugh at, at, uh, at Washington in general. Yeah. Or I, USC I'm, in general. Everything I've seen, and I'm no AD expert, I... I couldn't tell you who the the best ADs and worst ADs are out there, but everything I I've, I went back and looked at like early people saying you know who were potential elite candidates for for the job and she was on those lists. So that's what you want, right? You you want the people that it's the whole Ryan Abraham thing, right? You want someone who is wanted elsewhere. Yes, right? absolutely. She's been wanted. Elsewhere. And uh, to shout out the super chat from Alex, uh, Alex yeah. in the chat are <laughs> big cheers. Just leading the charge among among the the favorite robots of all time. Uh, Alex posted in the chat one UW podcast insider mentioned that Jen Cohen was one of the lowest paid ads in the Power Five. Jen Cohen is the Lincoln Riley of ads. President Folt is a rock star. Um, so yeah, D- Jen Cohen. I I think it makes a ton of sense for her to come to USC. Yeah. Given that she gets to stay in the Pac-12 blueprint uh, footprint, she gets the financial well, power behind USC. Well, I mean, well. rest what? in peace. Yes, in the footprint. That's why uh, she gets the financial power of USC. She gets the prestige of USC, and she also gets to take over a program that isn't getting a half share of Big Ten money, <laughs> which yeah. is uh yeah, definitely, definitely a, a big one. So I I think it, in the moment right here, I do not think you can complain at all. Uh, about about this hire, I think it, it feels like a big big move for Carol Folt in yep. in that it, it feels like it checks every box and and like Jessica in the chat said, hopefully we don't have to find out about her hiring abilities anytime soon. That is very true. That's another yes. good reason why Jen Cohen had incentive to come to uh, come to USC. Football is settled. Basketball, you hope if you're Jen Cohen is settled. Baseball, a new hire just got made Seem, and it seems to, be, seems to be settled. I don't yeah. think she will need to make any big changes. I don't think you can foresee big changes at one of the three big sports at USC um, coming up. You always have to be prepared for random yeah. crap happening, but I, I think you're very settled in those. So you can put all really your focus. the big four, right? You, you, um, both basketball jobs and yeah. baseball. Oh, yeah, that's right. The the, the women's basketball uh, had, a, had a recent hire as well. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think USC is very set, and that will give her the opportunity to focus on maximizing USC's NIL power, uh, mm-hmm. the transition to the Big Ten, all of these things that that uh, the AD has to um, has to navigate. So, yeah, yeah, it is uh, is a big day for for USC indeed. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, we're knocking on all the wood, Kenny. Kenny yes. in the chat says start knocking on all the wood and all of this. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you, uh, 80s have always said you need a you need a bus uh, just in case a, a bus takes away your coach. Uh, in in probably you need to have names ready. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll see what the Rolodex looks like when that time comes. Hey, and Jen Cohen's. Jen Cohen's Rolodex now includes Kalen DeBoer, which also gives me a, like, I'm chill with that. Hello. I'm chill. Hello. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, I, I think the consensus is pretty positive among USC fans on this, which is a good thing to see, given that SC for so long has made the hires that are, you know, head scratchy. And, um, this is not a head scratchy one. So yeah. uh, good on the Trojans for doing that. Uh, but Alicia, this is the season predictions episode. I was hesitant when putting together the sort of the the YouTube stream. I'm like, are we still naming this the season predictions episode? Well, we've had this literally planned for months. I think it's got to be. Even uh-huh. with the new AD news. This is the season predictions episode. This is the one where we go through and talk about what our predictions are going to be. When people are asking all year long, what are our predictions going to be? This is the episode we point to. Uh, So let's just start to get into it. The Trojans this year have a 12-game schedule, of course, that starts in week zero at home against San Jose State. Let's talk about... The schedule starting in week zero. The Trojans play San Jose State. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to pipe in your predictions game by game here as we go through the list. Week zero, USC and San Jose State. The Trojans haven't played the Spartans since way back in the Clay Helton era, 2021. Clay Helton's final win was over the Spartans, 30-7 to um, back in 2021. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of San Jose State. They were seven and five last year. It's Brett Brennan's seventh year. Uh, they were really good a couple years ago, but uh, Elijah Cooks is gone. They're their leading receiver. Uh, Fajoko, the defensive end, the guy that we talked about extensively two years ago going into that week one game, he was an NFL draft pick. It's a team that returns 12 starters, only five on offense. Uh, Chevin Cordero is a, a Hawaiian transfer from Hawaii, a quarterback, veteran guy. But I'm, I'm not sure that this is a San Jose State team that sort of worries you when you look at uh, the you know opponents that SC has played uh, in week one that have been, you know, you can point to them being super well coached. I, I think Brett Brennan is a good coach, not take anything away from him, but like, Compared to Western Michigan in 2017, I would take Western Michigan. Uh, San Jose State, 90th in SP Plus last year, 94th in preseason SP Plus. Uh, Alicia, what do you got? It's a win for USC. It's a sizable win. Even if the defense is no better than it was last year. In fact, even if the defense is worse than it was last year, USC still runs away with this. I'm sorry, San Jose State. You certainly don't have the firepower to contend with a Caleb Williams-led USC, um, this is a blowout. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Chase Williams, uh, the USC transfers, playing at, at uh, strong safety for the Spartans. 40 tackles, two picks a year ago. 
be interesting to see what he can do I, over on defense. I mean, the storybook would have him, you know, get an interception against USC. Yeah. It's still going to be a 30-point win. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jessica says W. Uh, you know, uh, Alex Rose said get Bear out by the third quarter. Um, yeah. Like, get Caleb out by the, by you know, Miller-Moss time. I'd like to see a lot of Miller-Moss. Maybe some, maybe get a glimpse of, of Malachi Nelson in this game. That would be fun. Yeah, I'm going to say a win as well. So we agree. USC goes 1-0 to start the season. Let's get to week two. Uh, the Trojans play Stanford, the final scheduled game that against is, Stanford. Are you just skipping week one? No, week one against Nevada. Sorry. You know what it is? It's the number. <laughs> it's the week zero. Technically, week two is Stanford. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> week one against Nevada, which is game two. This whole, the, the week's. It's a mess. Yeah, it's a it's, mess. It's, it's it's crazy. Um, here we go. Week one, game two uh, against Nevada. Um, the Wolfpack were. An I mean, we could just mess. skip Nevada. To be honest, two and ten a year ago. Uh, they have not played SC since nineteen twenty nine, a game in which the Trojans won sixty six to nothing. Uh, they were one hundred and twenty fifth in SP plus a year ago. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, they're bad. They're not good, and it's sad because Nevada's been a you know good Mountain West team for a long time. And like Alt was always great, the pioneer, the the pistol offense. They had you know great years with what Colin Colin Kaepernick was awesome there. Like this is ugh, not a good team, uh, but they have a bunch of incoming transfers that are interesting. Brendan Lewis is their quarterback, the Colorado transfer. John Jackson III will be one of his targets at wide receiver. Sean Dollars, remember him? Mm-hmm. From Morgan, he's there. Big money. Malcolm McClure from Cal. Like, there's dudes there in terms of, you know, names that you remember from from yesteryear. But, I don't know. This seems too much of a mess. It's a, it's a win, right? Uh, rinse and repeat what I said about San Jose State. I'm ju- I'm just sorry. Even if USC's defense is worse, that this will not be an issue again. Yeah. Um, it will be fun to see guys like Sean Dollars and and John Jackson the third for sure. I will be rooting for John Jackson the third to have a big game because I just think like you know always loved be him. A great just, story. It would be it would be fun. Um, but it's still it's still a win for USC. The bigger question is how close to that 66 to nothing scoreline can USC get? It might be close. It might be uh, close to that 66 to nothing scoreline. I saw a ranking of Nevada's most difficult opponents this year. Uh, it said SC was number one on uh, or number 12, I guess, is the in terms of <laughs> ease. Yeah. Uh, and it said that this one would most likely be the most lopsided spread in Nevada football history. I believe that. There you go. Uh, yeah, we, we both say win. So WW there. Uh, both of us have the Trojans going 2-0. and into week two, episode three, uh, against Stanford and uh, the Chattagrees. Uh, let's go to the third game of the season against Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal, the final, final installments of a great rivalry. Uh, it is sad to me. It breaks my heart that Stanford is no longer going to be an opponent for the Trojans. Hopefully that changes in some way. Uh, but this isn't um, this isn't your brother's cardinal. This isn't your mom's cardinal, your aunt's card. I I don't know what cardinal this is. Uh, it is Troy Taylor's tar- cardinal. He's the first year 
head coach, comes over from Sac State. Trojans won a year ago, 41-28 up on the farm, and this is a team that lost so many dudes. So many people left. Um, David Bailey actually stayed. Ben Urasek stayed, the tight end. E.J. Smith, Emmett Smith's son, is still there. He had 206 yards in the first two games last year before a season-ending injury, but who knows what's going to happen at quarterback. Ari Patu is there. He could be the starter. Uh, they got a Syracuse transfer, Justin Lamson, a guy who has not played a single down at Syracuse, is also competing for the job. And how about this note? Several tra- several players transferred out of the departure uh, after the departure of David Shaw, but Stanford only pulled in. These are their only incoming transfers. Alec Bank of Harvard, Gaithan Bernadelle of FIU, Trevor Mayberry from Penn, and Justin Lampson, the guy who hasn't played a down for Syracuse from Syracuse. Yeah, Stanford's down bad. Uh, Troy Taylor, yeah. Troy Taylor inherits a a bit of a mess. Um, it's the only X factor. The only X factor here is is Troy Taylor figuring out some way to turn Stanford into a into not even a legit, just just like a, a football team that has a pulse. Uh, and catching USC by surprise. But it's not going to happen that early but, in the season. No, this is another absolute blowout victory for USC. It should not be close at all. Um, what's wild is how many draft picks and, and guys that went to the NFL they had for last year on a yeah. three and nine team. Four draft, um, uh, five draftees. Yeah, uh, it's just. It's really wild when you compare that to Washington, who went 11 and two and had zero. Yes, yes. Um, so I. I don't see how USC loses this game. It's it's a win. It's a sizable win. And yeah. as we're going to keep saying for a few more weeks here, um, anything but a sizable win should have alarm bells going off. I think so, too. Um, especially when these are three games in a row where SC is facing someone who um, is preseason... 92nd or better. Like Stanford is the best team the SE faces in those three home games to start the season. They are preseason SP plus 92nd. Yeah. Like that's where they're ranked. And it's not like they have, like last year they put up 28 points on USC's defense. They had Tanner McKee. Yeah. They had some decent receivers on defense. They had, you know, Kai blue Kenny Kelly was one of the best corners going in, in the pac 12 going into the season. Like mm-hmm. they had some dudes last year and they were able to put up 28 points and that was not good for USC's defense, but they don't, they don't have a yeah. quarterback that's even close to Tanner McKee. They, yeah. they don't have, I, 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 yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah. SC big, uh, in, in the, the final installment of the, of this rivalry, uh, both of us go 3-0 and at that point for, for SC, we say, uh, which leads into true game four and week four. Hey, look at that. Finally, a bye week uh, in week three. Uh, going into the final trip to Tempe, USC at Arizona State. Uh, the Sun Devils went 3-9 and last year. They fired um, Herm Edwards early on. And things got a little weird for the for the Sun Devils. The Trojans did beat them 42-25. Kenny Dillingham is the new head coach. He's previously the Oregon offensive coordinator. 
Uh, they are 69th in the preseason SP Plus ranking, but they were 83rd last year at the end of it. I don't know what to make of this team, per se. There's still a quarterback battle. They got Drew Pine from Notre Dame, but he has a hamstring injury. He's not expected to start the, the season opener for them. Uh, there's uh, Trenton Bourget. There's there's Jaden Rashada. Like, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, they do have some interesting pieces around them. Jordan Tyson, a Colorado transfer. Aaron Frost, the Nevada transfer on the offensive line. I don't know. Uh, this this ASU team seems like a mixed bag. They might be interesting as the season goes on. In the end of September, I don't I don't necessarily think so. No, this this should be another sizable win for USC. Uh, like you said, this is very similar to Stanford in that Kenny Dillingham inherited a mess, a, a, a big big mess at ASU, and the X factor here is maybe Kenny Dillingham being an unknown. Uh, factor as a, as a head coach, maybe he whips up something that catches USC off guard. I just wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. Um, the only other hope that Arizona State might have is Jaden Rashada, like pulling a. Um, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Who was the quarterback at Arizona? It was the game. He he was the he, USC recruited him as a wide receiver. He went to Arizona as a quarterback. And oh, uh, Khalil Tate. Khalil Tate. If yeah. like Jay, if Jaden Rashada has like a Khalil Tate moment, this maybe gets interesting. Sure. And and this is the first of the games that I might be open to the idea of USC getting into a little bit more of a uh, of a shootout because Kenny Dillingham is a good offensive coordinator and weird things happen in Tempe. Sure. Yeah, but even that, I I I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily even even take the bet on that. Uh, USC should should win this heavily again. It should uh, again. I'm going to repeat. If these games are close, if this game is close, yeah. Alarm bells going off. Yeah, I I see this you know as like a fifty to twenty type game. Yeah. Which, which on the road, I think I think still would be a very good effort yeah. for SC. But this um, is this is one might of those, be close early. Who knows? This is one of those games where like if the defense gives up 25 points, I don't think that should elicit alarm bells necessarily. Depends how the 25 it points depends. are scored, It right? does depend. It does. Really it really does depend. But are they in the fourth quarter when SC's up 50 to 10? Yeah, that's, when, a, that's a different story. Yeah, but even even throughout like if Kenny Dillingham pr- produces a couple moments where he gets the better of USC's defense like it might happen. This this would be the one that I would just look at and say, like, prepare for maybe some more points to be scored on USC. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe don't, like, freak out too much. If you give up 30 points, if you give up 40 points, then we're talking a whole different conversation. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, let's get to talking about Colorado in week five. I, I, there might not be a team that I, I, that I understand less than Colorado and this includes like the non-con teams like San Jose State and Nevada 111 a year ago Deion Sanders of course the the new head coach previously at Jackson State the Buffs were 124th last year in SP plus but I think we can throw that out um on our rundown we have like key losses and key players key losses I literally wrote everybody in here three returning starters three of the 22 returning starters just about everybody is gone. Literally uh, just about everybody on this roster is gone. 
They have so many starters, or they're going to have to be starters. So many guys coming in in the transfer portal. Of course, the big names are Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders uh, at corner and quarterback. Other big names, Traore is a tight end from NC State that, that that's in here. Ten different transfers from Jackson State that have come on with Deion Sanders from Jackson State. I don't know what to make of this team. We've talked about them before. I think, personally, they have a super tall road. They might be interesting because the, the coaching staff beyond Dion is interesting, like Tim Brewster and, and, and guys who have some experience in college football, but I, I don't know. In, in September of year one, after a, a colossal rebuild like this, I don't think that even having five-star talent like Travis Hunter is going to really do much. SC has never lost to Colorado in the history of the sport. This is the last opportunity for the Buffs to get their first ever win against the Trojans. I don't see in the slightest how this happens, even though this is in Boulder. There is a quite strong chance that Colorado is 0-4 coming into this game. Yeah. They play at TCU versus Nebraska versus Colorado State and at Oregon. Um, I think going in at best, they're 2-2. But that 2-2 could be a very encouraging 2-2 that changes the way that we look at this matchup. But like you said, I don't know. Literally, no one can predict what Colorado will do this year. They could be horrifically bad. Well, I know. No, I think we, we can all predict they're going to be bad and horribly well, bad. okay, so... But I'm saying, like, no one can can actually... Un- like, you couldn't take a guess of, like, what their statistics are going to no. look like, what their, what their too deep is going to look like, any of those things. They could be horrifically bad, or they could be this year's, like, Herm Edwards ASU first year, where it's like, oh, are they kind of okay? <sighs> Big difference, though. I, I mean... Herm Edwards was boring. He was very boring. They were going to play an NFL style of game and win or lose every game 20 to 17 and just be very reserved. Yeah. Dion yeah. is the complete opposite of that. Yeah. So Shadur Sanders was great at Jackson State and could be a really interesting player to see at quarter at corner at quarterback. Sure. Um the transfers that they have brought in have come from across the country. Mm-hmm. Decent-looking players, uh, a lot of Power 5 players, a lot of uh, guys with talent. Yeah. So, to me, it's all about whether or not they pull it all together. The, the, the most encouraging thing to say about Colorado is that a year ago, Lincoln Riley had a million t- transfers from all over the country and made it work. Yeah. It feels... But I trust Lincoln Riley... <laughs> Way more than that's, I trust that's the The thing Sanders. is, like Lincoln Riley was one of was a top five coach in college football when he arrived at USC. Right. And Deion Sanders is still extremely un he's unknown. A, he's a figurehead who wants to sign autographs whereas coaching staff coaches. Yes. Yeah. And and we don't know what that looks like for Colorado. So right. I am open to the possibility of this game getting weird. The back to back road game, uh, it's the first you're not, you're not going to do something crazy here. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. USC's winning this game. But I'm okay. open to the possibility of this game getting weird. It's a, it's the the second leg of a, a, a you know, back-to-back road trip. Um, it's the first ranked home game of the Deion Sanders era. Um, 
I think Colorado can lose to Oregon, but lose well enough for people to get excited. Like people could get excited about no, the way I, that they lose to Oregon potentially. Like so, weird stuff could happen. Boulder could be absolutely electric, and that could get make make things get weird. I think even that, so, that's the only factor that I think legitimately could be in their favor. Even so, USC still should run away with this game. Like should yeah. run away. It might get weird, but you still run away with it. That's the way I would see it. Yeah. All, all offseason, I said that Colorado's going to be horrible this year, but I'm predicting they beat Nebraska in week two uh, because Nebraska is doing the same thing. Uh, a crazy overhaul um, with, uh, with, uh, with, with uh, Matt Rule, except I trust Matt Rule. But the thing to, is, to do, Matt to Rule's, do that, that overhaul. But Matt in year Rule's one, overhauls are you, usually year one is, is a rough go. Yeah, it, usually so. year one is a rough go, and then they win 10 games in year two. Yeah, and it's not year two yet. So Yeah, yeah. so Colorado could beat Nebraska in a game that means literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I fully expect, uh, you know, uh, people who have check marks on X to, to rank uh, Colorado in uh, the AP poll or something. So, I don't know. They're, yeah. they're going to be bad. Uh, let's go to week six. Um, all right, here we go. Week six, um, USC and Arizona. Trojans hosting the Arizona Wildcats. I, I want to offer a little correction. I talked about Arizona earlier on this month um, about how I, I don't trust Arizona and of the first six games that USC plays, I think we agree. First six games are horrible. Of USC's first six opponents, Arizona is the best one, both in terms of last year's SP Plus, 80th. They were 80th last year, and that's the best of USC's six, first six opponents. But also in the preseason, SP Plus, 67th. Again, the best team, and they were ranked 67th in the preseason SP Plus of those first six opponents. But I've talked about they've lost too much talent because SC went in there and took Dorian Singer, Christian Roland Wallace, and Keon Bars. They lost too much talent. I want to issue a correction because they do return eight guys on offense, including Jaden Delora, who is the gunslingiest gunslinger who ever gunslingered a quarterback. <laughs> Jacob Cowing, preseason All-Pac-12 second teamer at wide receiver. Uh, Tedoroya McMillan at wide receiver as well. This is probably still the third best receiving core in the in the league. Maybe you put Oregon in there too. Probably like in the in the running for third best. Mm-hmm. Even without Dorian Singer, yes. Yeah, uh, Justin Flo transfers in from Oregon. Like, I think they they have interesting guys. I really like Jed Fish. I didn't think a lot of his hire, but. I, I think that they have fought hard in the first two years. They've given SC fits. They've given everybody else fits. This game could be interesting if it was in Tucson. It's at home for USC, so I think they get a win here. But, I don't know, the, the best opponent of the first six games, but all, all told, a game that SC should, you know, waltz through. Yeah, um, I I like what Jed Fish has built at Arizona. His recruiting has been very strong. That wide receiver core is legitimate. Um, that offense could be real interesting. The problem with Jaden Delora is that he is he he's either gonna flash and look like the most dangerous quarterback you've ever seen, or he's just gonna be yeah. absolutely terrible. And you don't really know what you're getting from a week to week basis from him. 
or even a quarter to quarter basis from him. So it's hard to sort of frame Arizona around that. It, it's probably their limiting factor because they could. Arizona is gonna get is gonna get somebody. Like yeah. I, I think I'm very confident in saying that Arizona is going to get um, uh, an upset. Like they're they're gonna knock somebody out. Is it gonna be USC? I I don't think so. Personally, um, this game being at the Coliseum benefits USC. Uh, it, it's it still is a situation where USC has the talent advantage. USC has their best wide receiver and one of their best defensive linemen from last year. Um, I'm having I'm picking USC to win this game. Yeah. This game could also get kind of kind of weird. This game is going to be very telling for USC, I think. We're going to get a better sense of whether or not the defense is capable of standing up to the challenge of the second half of the season in this game than the previous ones. Um, Brandon in the chat said Delara got a DTR complex. That is 1,000% true. Yes. Absolutely, especially young DTR. Um, and that's the thing is Delora could take a leap the way that DTR as every year he, he just settled down a little bit more and Delora could do that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, as we saw last year with USC and DTR, DTR still made the mistake that lost UCLA that game. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's the, the truth of what Arizona is working with at, at quarterback. They don't have a good enough defense to slow USC down. So what they would have to do is just outpace USC and yeah. um, I would hope that USC's defense can stand up to this challenge because if they can't, things are going to get uh, things are going to get messy for USC in the second half of the season. So to me, the, 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 I'm circling this game as a very strong indicator of what to expect when Notre Dame. Utah, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA are are in front of USC. So I've still got USC winning the game. Uh, it's just I'm, again, more open to the idea of something getting weird and having a little bit of shakiness for for USC. Yeah, I, I think th this is one of those games where I think you, you look at the Trojans, they are better on it, literally every aspect of the game than Arizona is. I, th I think the Jed Fish is someone that who is you know going to be have his team well coached because we've seen that through the first two years of him at Arizona but when when push comes to shove I I think that you know SC will be considerably better uh, than what Arizona has been uh, so far so another win and I think both of us uh, that puts both of us having the Trojans at six and0 right six and0 in the first six weeks anything less than six and0 means something has gone very, very wrong for USC. Um, I would even go as far to say that anything less than 6-0 and is unacceptable yeah. for what USC is aspiring to. I think this season is going to be framed through the lens that USC has a once-in-a-generation type quarterback talent leading the team. Right. And a coach who has proven that he's capable of getting a team to the college football playoff, of, of winning games and winning conferences and, and all of those kinds of things. And you have to take advantage of the of the fact that you have a generational quarterback 
Yes. If you do not go 6-0 and in these first six weeks with Caleb Williams as your quarterback... I, well, I, I, that's un, okay, it, so, you, you can't there's no excuse for it at a certain point short of an injury and you know we can't plan for injuries so who knows but let's, let's talk about Pete Carroll Pete Carroll's losses um, came usually the first Pac-12 road game mm-hmm. Arizona State <laughs> yes uh, but outside of the 2009 team that lost to Sark coming off of a winless season I don't think that Pete Carroll ever lost to a team Oh, I guess there's that Stanford game. So take that back. Um, in 2007, the Stanford game. But all the teams SC plays in the first six games of the year here, there's not an Oregon State with Jaquiz Rogers. Colorado is a is the ultimate wild card. So I, we can't even say like we can't right. even know. There's no Aaron Rodgers on this list. Um, the, here's the thing: if the defense breaks down in any of these games, the we see we saw the USC offense take care of business in last season's games. Um, to a point where they made up for that and you should expect that again from this offense. If the offense falters in any of these games like they did against Oregon State uh, last year, that's where you run into trouble. But there is not a... Oregon State was the best defense on USC's schedule last year, statistically. SP+, they were the highest-ranked defense on USC's schedule last year. Like, none of these defenses are even top 50... Hold on, I I have it right here. Are any of them top... Uh, even even top eighty. Let me see. Well, uh, none of them are were that as as a team. But ASU's like, defense going into the season, uh, preseason ranking is eighty fourth. Sorry, Stanford's going into the season twenty twenty three is sixty sixth. That's their yeah. SP plus defensive rating going into the season. Right. So so the, it's average in FBS, but back end of Power Five. Yes, but like. Top, bottom half of of of, of FBS, yeah, and, and defense. Lincoln Visors in, in the chat said the Oregon State teams Pete Carroll lost to in Corvallis were nine and ten win teams. Yeah, yeah. Kenny says that Riley usually usually loses a weird one, but you look back at twenty twenty, they lost to a K State team that won four games. The, I think that is a, is a decent comparison. But the weird one was always K State, though. Right. The weird one was always K State. So, like, where is? Where's the, the K-State, K-State here? here? I don't, I I don't, don't know. know which one is K-State. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if anything, K-State to me is the Oregon State, but there's no Oregon State on this roster, yeah. on, on this schedule. And, you know, Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. We all know that Iowa State is well coached under Matt Campbell. They don't qualify as like a shocking loss because Iowa State beats somebody big every single year. So... Uh, anyways, let's get into the back half of the season. Eddie in the chat says Elisa is about to predict USC is going to go one and five in the back half. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I am not. No. Oh no. Oh and six. Wow. I know. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the back half. The uh, the tried and true half for USC. This is the one. This is where these are the six games where whatever this team does in the annals of USC history, defined by these six games. Uh, let's let's talk about Notre Dame. Uh, SC goes into the Notre Dame game. The Irish nine and four last year. It's year two for Marcus Freeman, thirteenth in the preseason AP poll, eleventh in the preseason SP plus poll. Yes, they lose Michael Meyer, the awesome tight end who wrecked havoc uh, over SC last year. Second round pick. Uh, Isaiah Foskey was a second round pick as well, but 
in comes a little old guy at quarterback named Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Multi-year starter, 12,967 career passing yards, 110 career passing touchdowns, a quarterback rating in his career of 144.9. Last season, he threw for over 3,700 yards uh, with the Demon Deacons, 38 touchdowns, 12 picks. Passer rating of 159, 159.4. Um, college Football News said, how prolific is he? If he throws for 3,680 yards, which is not totally crazy, it's less than he did last year, he'll pass former Oklahoma Sooner Landry Jones to the NCAA's third all-time leading passer. If he goes totally off and throws for 4,100 yards, he passes Hawaii's Timmy Chang to finish second all-time behind Houston's Case Keenum, who famously played like seven years in college football. A hell of a quarterback. Uh, they got an offensive line anchored by Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Uh, on defense, uh, Benjamin Morrison, JT Bertrands, Cam Hart are guys to watch out for. Alicia, these are your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. On the road in South Bend, what do you say? Um, okay. She hasn't won there since 2011. Okay. 12 years. What I say is this. I am still highly skeptical of Marcus Freeman as a head coach. Sure. And I think there is a... Because you don't believe in him or because he's young? He's so young. He he felt... The, the hire felt like the Clay Helton of it all when USC did the Clay Helton of it all. Mm. Um, in the sense that it was like more an, Jimmy Lake than Clay Helton. Okay, but it was an emotional hire. It was a sure. It was it was a the kids love it, you know, kind of hire. Sure, then, yeah, or yeah. The team loved like wants Marcus Freeman kind of stuff. Right. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman has yet to prove that he is cut out to be the head coach at Notre Dame. No, that, that's that's valid. Yeah. Um, he he was someone that looked like to be an on uh, in on track to be a head coach somewhere. He, I yeah, think he's like, a head coach sooner than expected and a head coach at Notre Dame certainly sooner than expected. Yes, but like so was Jimmy Lake and so was... Right, but um, Jimmy the, Lake got the, stu- got the coaching job at the right time. Like, yeah, yeah. The time that would have made normal sense. No, but sense. like the point, the point, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's sort of ahead of For schedule. For Freeman, it's ahead of schedule. It was yeah. just ahead of schedule. It's all yeah. weird. I'm very, very skeptical of Marcus Freeman as sure. a head coach. So I, I, I don't like what I'm about to do. But there's Uh-oh. a reason behind what I am about to do. And what I am about to do is predict a USC loss at Notre Dame. But with a giant asterisk, because I am not going to sit here and predict 12-0. and I know people in the chat want me to. Bill Plaschke did it. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. Yeah. I think USC can go 12 and 0. Absolutely. Yeah. I was flirting with the idea all weekend of having USC go 12 and 0. But I don't like making the 12 and 0 prediction simply because USC is more likely than not to lose a game somewhere. Whether it's the weird find your K-State kind of slip up in the first half of the season or the just having something go wrong against a good opponent in the back half of the season. Your Utah, where you just, you know, one or two plays go your way and you win it. One or two plays don't go your way and you lose it, blah, blah, blah. 
So I think USC will be losing a game in the back half of the schedule. I'm not saying one in five. I think USC will be losing a game in the back half of the schedule. And I don't like any of the games to choose that that's going to be the loss. We're going to get to them later, but like there's big reasons why I wouldn't want to do Utah. There's big reasons why I wouldn't want to do Washington. There's big reasons why I wouldn't want to do Oregon. There's big reasons why I wouldn't want to do UCLA. And there are big reasons why I resisted the idea of having Notre Dame be the loss. But here is my logic. If Marcus Freeman doesn't screw this up, um, which is entirely possible, Notre Dame should have a strong defense and a strong offense this year Mm -hmm. I don't know that they will be elite on offense but Sam Hartman is a hell of a quarterback and they have the pieces on their offensive line they have skill position talent the biggest question mark for their offense is the offensive coordinator who uh, is completely and utterly unproven except for his time as like an OC at West Virginia and then he got replaced by Graham Harrell and it was a whole thing so I don't know I don't know what to what to do with uh, with Gerard Parker. But Sam Hartman at the helm, I, I just I feel like Notre Dame is going to be far, far, far more dangerous than they were uh, last year with, with any of the quarterback options that they had. So their, quarter, their offense will be better. Their defense will be stout. And USC going on the road, this is not a favorable matchup for USC on the road, especially... After a front half of the season where we think USC is going to roll the whole way through. And what kind of happened when USC went to Utah around this time last year after more or less rolling the whole way through the, the, the front half of the season, you run into a road game at Utah and suddenly crap gets real and you lose the game. And it's sort of one of those kinds of things. Yeah. So. To me, Notre Dame's defense will be just good enough to slow the USC offense just enough. Remember, in the back half of USC's schedule last year, USC was putting up 45 points on everybody. The fact that Notre Dame held USC to 38 points was kind of impressive. To like, I, I know that 38 points is still a lot, but like, given what USC was doing to literally every other defense they faced, uh, the fact that Notre Dame was, was able to at least you know, slow down a little bit was, was low key impressive. So I think that Notre Dame might have just enough on defense to give USC a little bit of that, um, uh, to sort of slow them down. If the S and P plus projections are correct, Notre Dame is ranked 15th going into the season defensively in S and P plus that's right around where Oregon state was last year or Oregon, Oregon state's 2022 SP plus, uh, final ranking, was number 16. So, yeah. like, that's right around what Oregon State and Washington State, which were the two better uh, defenses that USC faced along with, with Utah. So sort of right around there. So if if Notre Dame's able to just have the home field advantage where we have seen Caleb Williams on the road at Oregon State have a rough game, the difference here is that Oregon State didn't have the offensive fire, firepower to take advantage of USC having that rough game on the road. Notre Dame will with Sam Hartman. So I'm taking, I'm giving USC the L just because I think Notre Dame, of all of the teams on USC's schedule, Notre Dame has the potential to be the most balanced in a way that Utah's probably the only one that I could say the same. 
but Utah's going to be at the Coliseum, and we're going to talk about that. Balance, in a you mean offense to defense? Offense to defense, where sure. there's where there's a, a a nice bit of balance there, and I think that is the 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 way that you ultimately get one over on USC. Um, so that's sort of a I, I so long way of saying like I don't want to pick this. I don't. I might not. I I probably won't stick to this when we get to that week and I'm having to yeah. choose mm-hmm. the score prediction or whatever. I have to... USC is going to lose to somebody on the back half of the schedule and based on the stats and everything on paper, I have decided that it will be Notre Dame for because mm-hmm. I have better reasons for it not to be the rest of them. Are you going to be thanked at Mass on Sunday yeah. for this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. But I agree for different reasons. Um. I, too, think SC falls at Notre Dame. My rationale is a little bit more simple. Um, SC's not going 12-0. No team outside of Georgia would I pick to go 12-0 in college football. Um, There there was a comment from Donnell Smith in in the YouTube chat. Why don't you feel good teams can go undefeated? I, you know how hard it is to go undefeated? The, the Lincoln only t- Riley has never gone undefeated. Lincoln Riley has never gone undefeated. And the only teams going undefeated are the infallible national championship teams that just run through a schedule. I am not going to predict that SC is that team until we know, full stop, that the defense is a defense. Mm -hmm. We think the defense is going to be better. I genuinely think the defense is going to be better. I think SC as a team will be better this year than last year. I don't know that that the record itself will necessarily indicate that over the the 12 games, in part because it's a completely different schedule than than last year. They're they're playing different opponents and, and all that stuff for the most part. Weird things happen at Notre Dame. Weird things happen at Notre Dame. The like I I, I don't want to get like all like oh the echoes oh but oh the echoes oh you know you know what I mean like yeah SC hasn't won there in twelve years and like all all but like two of those games have been competitive and SC still can't find a way to win there it's a road game if you're going to lose to any team on this schedule with the exception of the rivalry side of it, it's Notre Dame that you'd pick. You still got the rest of your season in front of you. I don't, I don't want to do the Clay Helton thing, but like the Clay Helton thing, you know it's, what I mean? It's the least consequential loss. You could have a disaster scenario where you lose to Utah and that's sure. your one loss. And then you don't go to the, to the right. conference title game. You lose to Notre Dame. And that, if, the, if that's your only loss, you're 11 or one, you're, you're still in the PAC 12 championship mm-hmm. game. So yeah, I think I think we agree. I, I think for me, this comes down to Notre Dame was very much a quarterback away from competing with SC last year. Now they have a quarterback. Yeah. Um, there, there was a comment I missed it earlier about who is Hartman going to throw to. That's a big question, absolutely a big question. And I question the running game. Um, Logan Diggs transferred to to LSU for from the Irish. Um, uh, there's there's Estime the, at at running back. I I think there's questions about. Notre Dame on offense, but I'd much feel I, I feel better about them on offense when you look at the offensive line and Hartman combined. All right, let's go to week eight. USC at home against the Utah Utes. Uh, the Utes win at the Coliseum in 2021. They're first since jo- joining the Pac-12. But the Utes went 10-4 and four last year. They are back-to-back Pac-12 champs, 
four straight Pac-12 championship game uh, berths. Uh, last year, SC lost twice to them, 43-42 at Rice-Eccles, 47-24 in the Pac-12 championship game. It's year 19 for Kyle Whittingham. The Utes are 14th in the AP preseason poll. Dalton Kincaid, gone to the NFL. Clark Phillips, their best player in defense, gone to the NFL. Braden Daniels, one of their offensive linemen, gone to the NFL. Let's talk about their quarterback situation. Alicia, they returned 13 starters, six on offense, including Brent Keithy, Brent Keithy, who we think is like their best skill position player, right? Yeah. Brent Keithy, preseason All-Pac-12 first-teamer at tight end. He has been a second-team All-Pac-12-er three different times, but he missed last season with a season-ending injury, only caught 17 passes early on. Then you look at Cam Rising. I wrote in our notes, professional USC tormentor, Cam Rising. 3-0, all-time against the Trojans. But who knows what his status will be in week eight. Uh, he tore his ACL against Penn State uh, in the Rose Bowl. This is genuinely one of the biggest question marks, I think, in like college football easily. It's not getting talked about enough, by the way. No, I, I don't know what their situation is. Uh, according to Josh Newman of KSL, uh, he put on Twitter, Utah OC Andy Ludwig says Cam Rising remains a limited participant in practice uh, as today begins, this was last week, that indicates Rising was not available for the scrimmage yesterday. Again, this is from last week. So, okay, people thought it would be Brandon Rose who would be their starter early on in week one. Brandon Rose is hurt. So now all indications are that if Utah was, this is the, the from the Salt Lake Tribune, posted on August 15th, if Utah was playing today, Bryson Barnes would be the starting quarterback. The third string guy. I, I don't know what to make of the Utah team, but like I've said countless times again, I'm not in the position of doubting Kyle Whittingham or the Utah Utes like in any game ever. Having said that, the game's at the Coliseum. SC legitimately seen red here after last year's games. SC wins. I'm going win. Uh, I don't bet against Utah in Rice-Eccles. Uh, I am very comfortable with USC winning this game. A uh, bit of a re- revenge game. Yeah. Uh, I think that Cam Rising is the difference maker. Now, I know this game is... He's uh, the difference maker, but even with Cam Rising on the road, the, the Utes are 7-7 seven and seven away from Rice-Eccles. Yes. And it does include two Rose Bowls in which he left with injury, but... Yes, but still, this game will be into the it'll be what nine months and 20 some odd days since his acl injury yeah that is still very early in the recovery yes to full powers after an acl i know that guys can play you know kyle schwarber famously six months between six to nine months but we continually see guys who are back to playing after nine months who are not themselves right um, so I I think it's still early enough in the season that I I I I don't know that you can bet that Cam Rising will be full powers Cam Rising. Yeah. Um. I I just also think that U- USC at the Coliseum has that advantage, and uh, this will be a this will be a dogfight. This will be another one of those ones where if. I could. This could be my loss. I could swap this with the with the Notre Dame loss. It, right. it, it will be a tight battle that USC needs to prove that they can that they can win. 
Um, they need to find a way to to, to slow down uh, Brent Keithy. Uh, they need to contend with with what us what Utah is going to throw at them. But at the same time, we saw that USC could put points up on a on a good Utah defense. Mm-hmm. So what it comes going to be better on defense this year. Um, Junior Tafuna, Ben Fillinger uh, on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys are back in that all conference first teamers preseason. Yeah, no, like, they're they they're they going have to have worrying a good, pieces on defense. Yes, they're going to have a good defense. The, yeah. the, this might be the best defense that USC plays this year. Yeah, them and Notre Dame, I would say. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But like I was saying with Notre Dame, you need the offense to outpace USC's offense at a certain point, and I. I am a huge believer in Cam Rising. I think Absolutely. Cam, Cam yeah. Rising gets slept on as one of the best quarterbacks in college football, um, especially like in the Pac-12. A lot of people would rank him like fourth behind Caleb Williams, uh, Michael Penix, and, and Bo Nix. And I think that from a gamer standpoint, you put Cam Rising up there in the top two. Mm-hmm. But I... He's not like he's not even particip- like you said he's not even participating in their scrimmages yet, and it's the middle of August. Yeah, and you're telling me that he's going to be at full strength by the time the, that that game comes. I just I'm I mean not it does bode up. well for for the Utes that this game is in October. Yes, it's not now. It would bode better for them if it was later in November. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, you mentioned that people would rank him fourth among the quarterbacks. The, the the crazy thing I think people are I think Utah is like a consensus number four team in in the conference going into this season because there's so much hype around SC Washington and Oregon and I like all those teams but like you're crazy if you don't think Utah could go back to the Pac-12 championship game absolutely this is literally what they do yes like absolutely. this is what they do yes. 100%. Like, like, don't doubt them. Didn't we learn this a decade ago with Stanford? Yeah, don't doubt like, Kyle Whittingham. Oh, this is this is the year yeah. that Stanford actually sucks. No, yeah. don't do that. Even like this Cam Rising thing is all in disguise. He, like, <laughs> they are still going to be in the Pac-12 championship game somehow, probably. Like, even yeah. if you don't think it, they will find a way to be there, just like they were last year. Yeah. They lo- they lose in Eugene at Autzen. They're dead to rights. They still get there. Yeah, yeah. So. Daniel Smith says Utah is a totally team away from home. I agree. And they, I think, and I think that's, that's part the of, difference. This has been the trend with Utah is that they, yeah. they they will lose the games on the road. But they hold serve at home. Yes, and USC gets them at home this time, so I give USC the edge. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go to week nine. Um, the only game on the back half that I think that no one really um, is excited about. Which I think makes it dangerous, it's, honestly. It, like, circle this as the trap game. This is the definition of a trap game. Yes. After Notre Dame and Utah and before Washington and Oregon. Especially. SC gets no bye weeks in there. If USC is 8-0 going into this game, mega trap game. Danger. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the Bears were 4-8 and eight last year. Not good. Uh, the Trojans did beat them 41-35 in a weird shootout at the Coliseum that, that had weird. no business being close. That was weird. Justin Wilcox is back for year six. Uh, they were 77th in SP Plus a year ago, 61st going into the preseason SP Plus rankings. Jack Plummer, the guy that was, you know, looked good at times for Cal last year, he's transferred out to Louisville. They lost Daniel Scott as an NFL draft pick. Um, Sam Jackson is in as a TCU transfer at quarterback. Uh, Jay Knott, one of the best running backs, bar none, in, in the Pac-12, 
uh, is back. He's a preseason All-Pac-12 second teamer in the preseason. Um, Jackson Sermon there, uh, All-Conference preseason first teamer. Uh, Craig Woodson uh, in in the defensive backfield. I think Cal can be in, an interesting team. Again, as it looks on paper, this is SC's best team in a couple decades. SC's best team in a couple decades should have no problem with this Cal team. Uh, Cal's biggest advantage is facing them in the middle of a weird schedule at home. Yes, absolutely. USC win uh, in, in that prediction in the in the way that you can never predict like the actual the, the, the trap game, the weirdness that happens because USC is completely overlooking a team like Cal. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean you predict anything but a big win for USC. The 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 only it could be just like last year though it could be like another 41 35 because you just went through mm-hmm. two of the tougher games on your schedule if you made it out unscathed or not either way this game starts to take on take on added weight because of, yeah. of what's what's come before and what will be coming next you still pick USC to win USC should win this game yeah i agree i think sc wins but as uh lee corso would say this one to me is closer than the experts think, strictly because circumstances. Circumstances. Yes. The trap game, um, maybe a game that you want to get Caleb out of there too. Um, but I would not. I I will make a slight prediction already. Okay. Memorial Stadium will be seventy five percent Cardinal, <laughs> being the last weekender. Uh, yeah. Be a lot of USC fans there. And again, couldn't you see like cow people like one last time to like flip SC off? I mean, that'd be fun. And like do all their little chant stuff. Yeah. All right, let's go to the biggie. Uh, week ten, USC and Washington. The Huskies eleven and two last year. They had a hell of a season. Eleven and two. Uh, they did not get Utah. They did not get SC, and they made the most of it. Should have won the conference if it wasn't for them falling apart at ASU randomly on a Tempe afternoon. That random ASU game. Yes. Uh, Kalen DeBoer's first year there was magnificent. Um, I am putting together their losses, not many of significance. Zero NFL draftees. They returned 14 starters, seven on offense, seven on defense, including Michael Penix, a quarterback, led the Pac-12 in passing yards last year with 4,641. Second in FBS. He is going to pass, 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 pass. Um, They have the best receiving core outside of SC top to bottom, but I would say they have the best duo. Is that fair? Yes. Uh, Rome uh, Odunze and uh, and, uh, Jalen McMillan. First and second teamers, those Mm -hmm. two guys in in the preseason all-conference. They were incredible last year, and I think that as a duo, I would put those guys ahead of what SC has in terms of you have Singer, and we don't know who number two is going to be. It could be any number of guys. SC's depth at wide receiver better, uh, just as a duo. Give it to you, Dub. Uh, the return, uh, Troy Fontano on, on the offensive line as well. Uh, the defensive line is pretty loaded. Braylon Trice, uh, Zion... Uh, uh, Tupio Lola Fatui. They got dudes. Uh, the offensive line, number one in sack rate in 2022. They only allowed seven all year. Uh, and that's with Michael Penix. 
being able to be an escape artist, but also Caleb Williams was an escape artist and as he was nowhere near uh, being number one in sack, sack rate. Washington, damn good. 10th in the in preseason AP, 15th last year in SP+, 17th in the preseason SP+. Trojans, Huskies, early November, what do you got? I have a USC victory here, and this is the first game where I am really staking my faith in the defense, USC defense being better than they were last year. If we cannot say that USC's defense is demonstratively better than they were last year, then this prediction gets flipped. But I'm, I'm just going to lean on the side of the defense being better. Um, Washington's office with Michael Penix is going to be very, very formidable. Yeah. I don't expect USC to stop them, but I USC needs to just you know slow them down just enough. The issue here for Washington is that their defense was sneakily vulnerable last year, and I think they will be sneakily vulnerable in a way that um, it, it, potentially this this next year as well. Uh, they gave up 40 points to UCLA in a loss. They gave up 45 points to Arizona State in a loss. They gave up 39 points to Arizona at home uh, mm-hmm. in a win. They yeah. gave up 34 points to, to Oregon, 33 points to Washington State. Like They were sneakily capable of, of giving up 40-some-odd points. And we know USC is capable of scoring 40-some-odd points on teams that uh, that don't have truly elite defenses. Right. Um, moreover, this game being at the Coliseum is a huge plus for USC. If we're mm-hmm. just basing it on last year's results, loss at UCLA, loss at Arizona State, a 28-21 victory over Cal at Cal, um, the three-point win at Oregon last year, um, which is definitely impressive, but still another sign that when they're on the road, uh, th- this Washington team was certainly in tight games and in losses. So I'm going to give USC the edge because of the Coliseum, because I think that Washington's defense and USC's defense are probably going to be closer than people will project at the, like on this day of the year. Um, I think USC's defense will be closer to what Washington's defense is. Um, and when it comes down to it, I will bet on Caleb Williams and I will bet on the Coliseum. All right. I, I talk, I've talked about this a lot that I don't, I don't like putting too much stock in returning quarterbacks and I find it lazy, um, that, oh, well this team returns quarterbacks, so they must be better than whatnot. Cause you see a lot where a team returns a guy at quarterback and then, they lose everybody on defense and they end up being bad. This is not that Washington team. They return seven starters on defense. They return seven starters on offense. All of Penick's weapons are there. Like, this is going to be the best offense that SC not only faces this season, the best one since it's year, years, potentially. Michael Penix might be the best quarterback to come into the Coliseum since, like, Mariota. Is it is it wild? Am I out of pocket to say? Like this team Maybe. is loaded, and they have the senior experienced quarterback, and they have a, a great wide receiver duo. And yes, you mentioned the tough road game, uh, the tough the, the two road losses last year, UCLA and ASU, two teams that they were better than. Um, and in a different world, they go eleven and one or twelve and zero in the regular season, and they're playing. SC last year in the Pac-12 championship game, and that would have been so freaking fun to watch. 100%. 
I think that game is this November. And I think it's going to be an incredible game. And I am going to go out on a limb right now and say that this will be the best game to watch all season in college football. SC in Washington, week 10. If game day isn't here, I don't know what went wrong. Like, I understand. Yeah. I think this game is going up against LSU, Alabama. Sorry. Game day needs to be here. Like, this is it. This is going to be the best game and most anticipated game in Pac-12 history for me. And I have Washington winning this game. But spoiler alert, it's SC's only other blemish on the freaking schedule here. And to me, this is going to be one of those games where the last man who has the ball wins 52-49. The defense that makes a big play wins. It's going to be like the SC-UCLA game from last year, I think. Extremely chaotic. Either team wins. No shame in whoever loses. That's what I'm picturing here. Um, and one of the factors that gives me the edge for Washington is that they won the game at Oregon last year. And I know that Oregon got a little weird with that Bo Nix injury in the fourth quarter. And maybe that was the difference, sure. But I think that that experience bodes well for Michael Penix and the rest of that offense, especially when you know that Penix has all the experience back in Indiana as well. So I'm telling you, even with two losses to this point for me, I think SC is a better team this year than last year, even with two losses. So eight and two uh, through 10 games, you have SC at 10 uh, and one. Um, Charleston in the, uh, at nine and <laughs> in one. the, in the chat says, I'm glad Michael picked the loss. That means they definitely will win. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Jessica says best since Alabama and Texas. Maybe, uh, let's go to, uh, week 11 USC at Oregon, uh, November 11th final trip to Austin as a member of the PAC 12. They will meet in the big 10. Of course, the ducks 10 and three last year in Dan Lanning's first season after coming over from Georgia Trojans haven't played the Ducks since 2020, the season we don't talk about that didn't exist. Uh, SC lost that game 31-24, even though, of course, the game did not take place and did not exist. Um, the Ducks, 15th in the AP preseason poll. They were 11th in SP Plus last year, 13th in the preseason SP Plus rankings. They have a bunch of losses here in terms of personnel. They lose Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator. He's now the, the head coach at Arizona State. Christian Gonzalez was the first-round draft pick. Uh, he was a great corner for the Ducks. DJ Johnson, uh, Noah Sewell, um, a bunch of dudes that they, that they lose on defense, but they still return six starters on defense, five on offense, 11 starters all told, including Bo Nix, who is one of the best players, players, not just passers, in college football last year, took a huge step forward after transferring over from Auburn. Bucky Irving is back as the leading rusher. He's a preseason All-Pac-12 first-teamer, uh, along with uh, Troy Franklin, who will be Nix's number one weapon out on the perimeter. Uh, the defensive line should be anchored by Brandon Dorless. He's the preseason All-Pac-12 first-teamer on defensive line. Jordan Birch, guy to watch, transfer from South Carolina. Evan Williams is another preseason guy, second teamer in the Pac-12. This is an interesting team. Um, number nine in the, the transfer portal rankings, Oregon really restocked in the transfer portal despite losing a bunch of dudes, especially in a hostile environment like Autzen. If you want to shut up the crowd, get to Bo Nix. That's incredibly difficult to do. What happens week 11, USC at Oregon? 
Uh, yeah, this is a very losable game. Um, Otson is a very difficult place to win. I think that at best, any discussion of this game, uh, I mean, sorry, at worst, any discussion of this game has to start with the potential of a coin flip, a, a game that will come down to one play, two plays, depending on which way they fall. Uh, so mm-hmm. with that out of the way, I am picking this as a win for USC. I sort of was hinting at it before with the Notre Dame. USC will lose one of these road games, Oregon or Notre Dame. This one ain't it, though. And I don't know which one it is. Ain't but this one. I obviously went with Notre Dame instead of this one, and here's why. Number one, Oregon lost Kenny Dillingham, who is a, a very good offensive coordinator, uh, they have replaced him with Will Stein, who is from, I believe, UTSA. So sort of fine as a replacement, but we we don't know if they'll be able to sustain the offensive prowess that they had without Kenny Dillingham. Um, defensively, they lost uh, one their co-DC, um, Matt Powledge, who went to Baylor, who took over as the DC at Baylor. So they've not only had uh, attrition on the team with some really good players, but they've had attrition in the coaching staff, which always has the potential to to, to knock things around. Um, and then everything that I said about Washington and the sort of under-the-radar way that that the defense was not necessarily being talked about as a potential, uh, potential weakness for some of these teams in the way that it's been talked about with USC. And, and I think it should be absolutely talked about with USC that the defense was a, a detriment to the team and, and its ceiling and across the board. But it's not like Oregon's returning a defense that was elite either. They, they gave yeah. up 27.4 points per game last year. Mm-hmm. They come into the season uh, with a, a, a defensive uh, SP plus rank of 42nd. Um that defense is vulnerable, and I think it will be vulnerable to a an offense that like like USC is able to uh, to field. Um, they lose Christian Gonzalez, who was an outstanding corner, and at a certain point, I don't know how you stop or slow down USC's uh, USC's passing attack, USC's yeah. uh, USC's wide receiver core. So, I have great respect for uh, what Oregon could be this year. I think Bo Nix is a really fun player, but Bo Nix also. Bonix, before he arrived at Oregon, had a reputation for being a little bit of that, like we talked about with Jaden Delora, a little bit of that, like very high or very low, always coming in as a sort of Heisman dark horse, but then always having those games where it's like, okay, well now he's now like he's just all over the place, and I don't know uh, what the loss of Kenny Dillingham will do to his progression, to to his ability to stay consistent and to to uh, to lead that offense. So. I have some doubts about that offense. I have some doubts about that defense. Um, and I think that USC will be capable of winning a shootout as a result. Close, close shootout, but a win nonetheless. I think SC wins big. Wow, okay. <laughs> People uh, were saying you were getting very depressing in the chat, Michael, and then I, you turn around and do that. No, I, I think this... A blowout at Odson. I'd love to see it. Sign I, me up. I, season on the line. Who do you trust? Caleb Williams. I mean, that's, yeah. Season on the line in arguably the scariest envi- environment at Autzen Ra- Stadium where it never rains. No, we know that that's BS. Like, all those things, your Heisman winner steps up. This is the game that I think Caleb takes advantage of 
an Oregon defense that still has a lot of places to grow. Um, I think Bo Nix is a hell of a player. I like Michael Penix better. I just do. I, I think that Bo Nix really impressed me last year because all the numbers at Auburn were horrible. And I'm like, why is this dude like even talked about? He's just the name. And then he went to Oregon and put up incredibly pristine numbers. He was really good. He didn't turn over the ball. Um, any of those things, like he was, you know, very sound. And I think that he will continue to be that even if there's still question marks on offense. I think Caleb Williams is the best player in college football and will show that he is against this defense. I trust him, Caleb Williams, to make the same place he did against Washington the week before, except the, the SC defense somehow finds a way to create a turnover somewhere. Oregon push comes to shove in big moments at home for some reason, even though Austin is scary. Don't they weirdly like have moments where they just create boneheaded things? They had the, you know, Bo Nix had the, had the game last year where he got hurt, obviously not boneheaded, but he got hurt and came out and then they, they, you know, went for it on fourth down in their own ends. Uh, Danny let, Dan Lanning lives by the sword, dies by the sword guy, right? They're going to make aggressive mistakes and that might win them a game, but it certainly could lose them a game. You could say it lost a game against Washington. I trust Lincoln Riley more than I trust Dan Lanning at this point. Mm -hmm. I think this is the game that really becomes the the big statement win for SC this year uh, is at Oregon as we go into the final game of the year. Uh, SC against UCLA at the Coliseum. The Trojans facing a Bruin team who was 9-4 and four last year played arguably the, the greatest rivalry game in, the, in the, the, the rivalry's history. Finally. Certainly the most electric. <laughs> Finally, a great rivalry game. There was a great one in the season that we don't talk about. Um, and really, there hadn't been one since, like, 1990. I don't know what to think of this UCLA team. Uh, year six for Chip Kelly. Not ranked in the AP preseason poll, but they're 28th if you include others receiving votes. 22nd in SP Plus last year, the 28th in the preseason SP Plus rankings. Gone is Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Gone is Zach Charbonnet. John, gone is John Gaines and uh, Antonio Maffi on the offensive line. Kaz Allen and Jake Bobo are gone. The offense only returns three starters. And I feel like this is the inverse of everything we talked about UCLA the last two seasons, which was, oh, they return every starter imaginable. They're going to be like experience and Chip Kelly finally will be able to institute what he wants to do. And I think that that was a hallmark for the Bruins the last two years. And one of the things that I think made them very good was that they were able to gel with all those guys. And then you add a Jake Bobo as a transfer from Duke and He's just a cherry on top rather than being the the full Sunday, right? But I don't know what to think of this UCLA team because they don't have those playmakers. Um, the starting quarterback job, certainly uncertain. Ethan Garbers, Colin, Colin Slee, Justin Martin, Dante Moore, question mark? I don't know. On, on defense... Uh, Laiatu, Latu on uh, on the edge, I think is is the a guy to to keep an eye on, uh, along with Darius uh, Masau. Uh, both of those guys, first team All Conference preseason first teamers. 
Uh, Carson Steele, I think, could be interesting uh, at, at running back. But beyond that, I don't know what to think of this UCLA team. I think it's fair to expect this UCLA team to um, either stay in place or, or, or drop down a little bit. Um, I think they're probably, I mean, I would say that Chip Kelly has the program in a place where you can expect them to be bowl eligible, but like, do I expect anything more than eight wins out of this UCLA team? I, I, I wouldn't. I think it would be a lot easier to sort of, lock down how we feel about this team if we knew exactly what was going on at quarterback um it's so hard when a team is potentially thinking about starting a true freshman uh we saw what happened that what happened to usc with with the jt daniels of it all Mm -hmm. um that can go you can be really excited about that true freshman and it can still go wrong for you because you're playing true freshman and I, I think UCLA has has you know quite a few losses on this on this schedule coming up. It, you know they go after going nine and four. I, I think if if you're UCLA, you have to feel good about eight wins at uh, at a certain point. Like if you get if you get to eight wins. So yeah, I think USC wins this game. I think that it will be difficult for us right now to say how close that game will be because. There is a chance that Dante Moore starts the season and gets better and right. better. And by the time this game comes around, he's got most of a season under his belt mm-hmm. and suddenly is capable of doing to USC what DTR was able to do at times. Big caveat. Um, sort of flash. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, and it's it's a huge caveat. So I, I don't even... I, I can't even say. It is a rivalry game and all rivalry games could be flips of the coin. You just never know. But I think USC should have a relatively comfortable win for a rivalry game uh, when it comes down to finishing the season against UCLA. Yeah, Hank Go in the chat says, will Chip Kelly ever have a decent defense? I thought they had a pretty good defense a couple years ago. Um, Last year's was really bad. Um, They were just as bad as SC was. In a lot of cases, SC ended up, by the numbers, being worse at the end of the season, completely at the end of the season. But one of the reasons SC wins the game is because they were able to make sort of fewer mistakes and have more opportunities because they were able to, you know, create turnovers. And But SC left a ton of points out on the field early on. And I think that in a game where UCLA doesn't have the firepower that they did a year ago, I don't know that they, they hold up. So yeah. for me, I agree. I think SC wins. That gives a record of 11-1 and one for you and 10-2 and two for me. 11 and 1 for you. Yes. And, v- with, and with the with the loss being to Notre Dame means that SC becomes the first team in human history to go 9 and 0 in the Pac-12. Uh yes. <laughs> I guess so. Uh my 11 and 1 uh, as I said before comes with a caveat that I I think it's going to be 11 and 1 and I don't feel comfortable picking the loss. It's 11 and 1 because I'm playing the odds of USC will not be perfect every week. USC will have games that are tight, you know, especially in that in that last half of the season. I would not be surprised if all six of those final six games are are one possession games. It, it, like if you told me that that USC didn't have a win in double digits in in those last six, I would I would not be surprised at all. I think you could end up with considerably close games that are 
going one way or the other. And and really what makes me, what gave me the the desire to go with a 12 and 0 ranking for USC is that when I went down the line and I said, well, Notre Dame could be a coin flip and Utah could be a coin flip and Washington could be a coin flip and Oregon could be mm-hmm. a coin flip and UCLA could be a coin flip. Um, and I have to bet on somebody. I'm betting on Caleb Williams in every single one of those games. So I would have been comfortable with picking 12 and 0, except that I am also a seasoned football fan who has watched enough to know that right. just because your team is very, very good and better than everyone on your schedule doesn't mean that you win every game on your schedule. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly special teams and lucky teams go undefeated. And, right. I, and I think this team has the potential to be closer to that special mode if the defense really creates a turnaround. Um, but I can't bank on it being lucky. I, I do not know if this team will be lucky. All I know is that Caleb Williams is enough to elevate them yeah. to a point where they will be capable of winning every game. Um, but as we saw last year, even with Caleb Williams at his finest, sometimes you run into a Utah and you have a game that just happens. Right. So I'm going 11-1. and one. I feel very confident in 11 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think 10 wins is a failure necessarily. It's as you are always saying, it's how it happens. Right. Um, and I think 12 and 0 is very, very possible. Yeah, it, it's absolutely how it happens. Um, because if 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 you go, I, I think SC goes 10 and 2 here with the two losses being incredibly close games uh, to like a top 10 team in Washington and a top 15 team on the road at Notre Dame. Like there is no shame in that at all. Like USC could go. Could, that's not a failure. I understand that yeah. the idea of like, if you don't go 12 and 0 with the Heisman winning quarterback, then it is a failure. But like, you're going to be disappointed more often than not. If that's where that's the only thing that you could possibly sort of do. I I think the other thing that I, I want to reiterate and I want to put up a sign behind me and just like point to it when everyone when inevitably I get labeled to be the the doubter for saying that SC goes 10 and two, I think SC will be a much better team this year than last year. And I think we need to stop judging teams by their records. Mm, I'm going to put, I'm going to push back on you there though, because when it comes down to it, you are what your record says you are. And sure. I think it, it gets back to what we what I was talking about in the beginning of the show, where in a season when you have Caleb Williams and it's the last time you're going to have Caleb Williams, you have to be able to make the most. Uh, I, I understand where you're coming from. I do. But when you have Caleb Williams, if you don't make the college football playoff, then you have wasted Caleb Williams. And like you, I you would can agree. argue the semantics of whether or not it's a failure, but it's certainly a waste. I would I would agree with that if this wasn't like everybody and their mom and ev- on every message board for the last however many years was saying that Clay Helton had the worst situation ever, right? Like he had built this worst thing. And I don't think it's a failure if you do not win I mean get to the playoff in the first two seasons under Lincoln Riley. That Pete Carroll got to the Orange Bowl in year two, which would probably have sort of been in the playoff if, 
if there was a playoff that existed then. That's ahead of schedule. Usually it's year three that we're talking about these things. So I don't think it's a failure to, to do it without Caleb Williams because you have to understand the whole giant scope of it. To me, I, I, get, I get where you're coming from, but to me, the questions, I was just on a Texas podcast and we were talking about Lincoln Riley and his inability to, he's getting a reputation for an inability to win the big game. And sure. this season is going to be an indictment on Lincoln Riley if he is failing to win the big game. Last year now, was the first time he hadn't won a conference championship game. Yes, but when Texas, when Oklahoma had been winning the the conference championship game and then not winning in the college football playoff, or his bowl record is not good. Like, there's all these things that are hanging. He over. lost the Rose Bowl by like a point. Yes, in the overtime. Like, what are we do talking you, do about? Do you hear? Do you hear what I'm saying though? Where it's a yes, and I think it's split. Like I think it's being. I I understand that if that if I, that I if, the, if this if the expectation is high, then the scrutiny needs to be high. Yes, I get that, and it's perfectly ex. It's perfectly within reason for a USC fan to look at what USC brings to the table this year, and say the college football playoff has to winning the Pac-12 has to be the goal. And the college football playoff has to be the goal as well. And right. if USC does not do those things, then it is perfectly within reason to look at it and say, this was disappointing. You had Caleb Williams. You won 11, and 11 sure. games in the first year with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. What went wrong this year? And you and I both can look at the schedule and say, well, the difference between this schedule and like last year and this year. If they played this schedule last year, SC does not go 11 or 1 in the regular season. I don't know about that, though, because Washington, Washington and Oregon, you what you did was you traded out Oregon State and Washington, who had good defenses, for Washington and Oregon, who had SC good offenses. barely beat Cal. Yes, but USC also beat UCLA and Utah, so why couldn't they have beaten the, the, Washington and Oregon? They did not beat Utah famously sorry, twice. Sorry, sorry, that's right. You, USC was going to beat Utah in the Pac-12 title they game. They needed with an offensive help. lineman to put the, push the quarterback down the field to beat Oregon State yes, on the road. Yes, but you're like you're you're acting like Washington and Oregon were these in, in like impervious teams. Both of those teams were also very vulnerable, and I think there's a, a universe yes. where USC goes through that season and does get get wins in sort of the same the same way. All I'm saying is again, again, you have Caleb Williams. You decided to keep a defensive coordinator that everyone and their mother thinks that you probably should have moved on, moved on from. Valid, yeah. But Lincoln Riley made the bed of this season by keeping Alex Grinch. So mm -hmm. if you go through this season and you don't achieve the goals that USC has set out to achieve, that Caleb Williams specifically has set out to achieve, then that is you missing the mark. And whether or not you want to call that failure is a matter of semantics. USC will either hit the mark or miss the mark this yeah. season. And I think that a, a, a universe where you don't win the Pac-12 and you don't get to the college football playoff is missing the mark at the very least. And I'm going to say that if if we can sit here and say that the defensive coordinator should be, should be hired and is not good enough to win a national championship and he's still here, then you shouldn't be shocked if you get to the end of the season and the defense was the reason no, why you didn't. I'm not talking about there. people being shocked. I'm talking about people sure. being disappointed and saying it was a failure of a season no, that's, because that's at that fair. point. I don't think SC is going to have a failure of the season because I think they go 10 and 2. 
I think they win the Pac-12 championship game in either a revenge game against Washington, a double downing against Utah, or a, a double downing against Oregon, whatever ha- whatever it ends up being. Um, and then they have to roll the dice on whatever happens elsewhere. I, I, I know it's disappointing, but like the most Pac-12 thing ever to happen. Everyone's going to be nine and three. Everyone's going to be 10 and two or nine and three. Yes. Yeah. It's the most Pac-12 thing, especially when there's so many good teams. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, this team is going to be very good and you're going to end up looking at it and, and thinking that they are extremely good and that it sucks that the it's not a 12 game playoff from a USC perspective, but maybe two losses is enough to get in because you don't know what the landscape of college football is from year to year. To Charles son in the chat said, how will they make the Pac-12 championship game at 10 and two? That's how the Pac-12 championship game is almost well, always. Eight, they would be eight and one. They would be eight and one in the conference. There would be eight and one and no eight the, and one the, team in Pac-12 history has ever not made the Pac-12 yeah. championship. And game. like we said, like it would be very Pac-12 for Oregon State Washington, Oregon, USC, and Utah to all sort of cannibalize each other and end up with uh, tiebreakers coming into play as to who's going to be the ones that uh, ones that go. So yeah. um, the better question is, can a two-loss USC make the college football playoff? I'm going to say probably not, although we have seen playoff years where other conferences cannibalize themselves and, you yeah. know, crazy things happen. But no, I, I think USC needs to... Needs to avoid two losses if if the playoff is going to be um going to be in play but also it does come down to like what do those losses look like like if exactly he, he yeah. has two losses by one point each and and the revenge one of them in the pac championship yeah, game yeah then like, it sort of you have the heights and trophy winner like uh, starts I, like, to make different scenarios yeah I, I you know it's susceptible to the chance because that's what college football is so you're gonna have to see what the other landscape is you could have one loss and then there's four other undefeated teams in power five football and it means nothing, right? Like this is just what college football is. We have to understand that it will change next year when SC not only gets the big 10, but the playoff expands and there will be more equity, not in college football, but more equity for two lost teams. Um, And the landscape will change. But I think that when we look at it right now, I think we both agreed that SC's pre-ranking preseason ranking of six was right around what sounded right. Was right? was fair knowing that we do not know how much better the defense will be yes. this year or if they will so be better. I think SC going ten and two and being right around the the fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the country makes a whole lot of sense to me. But mm. uh, yeah, I, either way, I still think that SC wins the Pac-12. So uh, that's that's how I'm looking at it that way. Uh, all right, guys, we, we got uh, a bunch more to go here. We've got to open up the mailbag. So let's do that, shall we? You've got mail. All right, let's do this. And we start with an email that we got uh, from Dan in St. Louis. Alicia, you want to read it? Hi, Michael and Alicia. I can't help but be a little sad that we are entering the final year of the Pac-12's existence. The conference was a total mess, but it was our mess, and I'm going to miss our opponents. I'd love to hear the two of you talk about some of your strongest memories about our former former rivals. What were some of the most memorable games of the Pac-12 era against each team? For example, look at the last 12 years against ASU. I can't help but remember the Jail Mary game in 2014, 
or when Adoree Jackson had arguably his greatest athletic performance in the 2015 blowout win. Or, of course, the come-from-behind last-second win in the shortened 2020 season. What are some of your most memorable conference games of the Pac-12 era? Best, Dan from St. Louis, USC class of 2013. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it, it it's sad. Like, I think change is exciting and scary at the same time. Um, but one of the reasons why it's sad is that you lose what you have going. Like, you, you lose the traditions and the... The, the normalcy of what you considered normal, right? Like not having Stanford and Cal being rivals for SC is unfathomable, right? Like not having uh, the the six-hour drives to the Arizonas and all that stuff is sad. So let's run through the memories here, rapid fire. I'm going to go through each team and you tell me top memory uh, against them or whatever. So we'll, we'll start uh, reverse order of last year's Pac-12 championship standings. Colorado. Um, personally, my trip when when we went to Boulder and I was taking pictures on the field and um, sadly didn't get to see Ralphie, but still had had a good time. My top memory, two thousand two, the forty to three game, but that not a Pac twelve moment. So, uh, well, and Cody Kessler with the seven touchdowns and all yeah. that kind of stuff too. I I'm I, I think that twenty nineteen game that it. it People hated it at the time, but I think that that was an enjoyable trip for us. Sure. Uh, Stanford. Countermarch. All of the countermarches. Um, but also the, the oh, there's so, there's so many good ones, though. Um, is it wrong to say the, the overtime loss? No. The 2011 you can overtime say the, loss. The overtime loss. Or the Pat Hayden jumping in Sark's arms. The Hadari, Hadari win number goal. two. Yeah. Or you can say Hadari win number one, a.k.a. the field rush. Yeah. Oh, oh that's a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot. Yeah. ASU. Low memory, definitely the jail Mary for sure. Jail Mary. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know what the peak for me is? 2016. Thanks. Calling it that SC was going to, like, was going to win by three scores. The Thanksgiving game, 2000... Mm, yes. What year was that? 2007. 2007, yeah. yeah. Fun trip. Me and my dad went that, and we took we took a bus from L.A. to, to Tempe for that. Uh, Cal has to be the 2004 game. Yes. 100%. Uh, Arizona. Marquise Lee. <laughs> in a loss. I'm a, picking... Lo- the, I mean, it's just, I'm just saying Marquise Lee. Okay, I'm going to... I don't think there is one for me. Maybe 2001. 2001, the uh, the the Chris Richard pick six. Yeah. Uh, Washington State, what do you got? Hmm. Um, I guess the Dante Williams game. It's, it's very, very the Jackson recent, Dart game? recency bias. Yeah, the Jackson Dart game. That was fun. It's hard to think of other ones that really stood out. Probably. It's the, the the Washington State series is weird because all the big moments are SC losses. Yeah. Um. I one of my favorite the moments. Great game. Uh, nineteen ninety eight, SC wore Cardinal socks. Oh. Liked it. Nine year old me loved that thing. Uh, UCLA one of the best moments. Nine nineteen ninety nine breaking the streak. Um. Yeah. There's a, uh, the UCLA is tough. Uh, you say timeout. We say touchdown. Yeah. I. I, I the. That's up there as well. Uh, Oregon State, 2004, pour some sugar on me. The fog game? Sorry, 2003. 
pour some sugar. No, no, no. 2004 was the fog game. Yeah. 2003 was the home game, final game of the season. SC wins, uh, and they played pour some sugar on me, and everyone thought that SC was going to the national championship game. The next oh. day, we learned that we're going to the Rose Bowl instead. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Oregon. The 2011 game, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Oregon? that's it's probably Wait, it. Woods? Yeah. Yeah, I'd put that up there. Uh, Washington. What do you got for, for UW? Our trip up there in 2018 uh, was, 20, was, was fun. The trip the trip was fun. Horrible uh, but, game. But the 2016 game, definitely. Uh, the Adora Jackson interception, the Daniel Matabebe um, game. Yeah. I'll say 2002. That was the moment that I think Carson Palmer really started to solidify himself as like a having a really good season. And that was the moment that I thought, SC is good. SC is actually good. 2002. Uh, Utah. Um, you know what the memory is? Big hat tip to Utah for being, coming to the Pac-12 and like taking life by the horns and being a hell of a bulldog of a team for not only SC, but like literally everybody to play. They, they changed conferences. They promoted up. Um, and they have become a freaking menace, and that is a testament to the program and to everything about them. And that SC fans hate playing there and playing them in general is a testament to how well that program is run. So uh, that's a, there's a memory. For I guess. me, it's the uh, Yolo Ball Matt Fink game. I mean, that's a good answer too. Uh, it's on my birthday. There you go. All right, we, we got an email from, from Tony and Denora PA, but we have to end with that. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to questions that we got here in the chat. Um, Cameron says, uh, any preseason Roddies for the 2023 season? We, we didn't prepare anything, but you got anything off the, off the cuff? Most likely to become uh, my guy mm. is... Uh, what do you know with? My first thought was Mason Cobb. But it's hard for a linebacker to sort of become yeah my guy. So. Sure. I, I, how about how about this um, unsung hero on this team? Josh Washington. Well, I mean that's that's too good of an answer probably. Yeah. Um, but I am going to say the unsung hero on this team is Jack Sullivan on the defensive line. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the transfer nobody talks about. Yeah. Who will um, be? I, I think Bear Alexander, you want Bear Alexander and Anthony Lucas to be the, the studs and all that stuff. I feel like Jack Sullivan could be the the Nick Figueroa where like he's the dude that no one ever thinks about and then ends up being the one who leads in stacks. Like I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be shocked if that happened. Uh, Tim and Elias says, what would it take for Caleb to win the Heisman again? And would that convince Caleb to return for his senior season? Okay, no. no, there's no way in hell he returns for his senior season. The only, the only argument, the only argument that I think, apart from like some weird situation where, knock on wood, there's some circumstance that would make him undraftable unless he proved another season, which is just so unforeseen that I can't even think of a reason to even put that into words. The only, yeah, he's not coming back. But what Absolutely would it take not. for him to win? I, I've got an argument, but what's what's yours? Uh, he's got to win those games in the back back half of the season. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. 
keep the numbers. He's got a schedule that lines up nicely. Keep keep the numbers up and, and win those games. Uh, I I think uh, the rest sort of takes care of itself. But if if USC is eleven and one, the way Caleb plays is going to be the way Caleb plays, and that's going to be the kind of thing that wins yeah. in the Heisman. It, so it's it to me it's it's Caleb needs to keep status quo. The question is, does somebody else around the country like? Because what could happen is the situation where uh, Caleb is winning the games and putting up the numbers, and that's fine, but it's boring, and there's a shiny new toy because J.J. McCarthy has Michigan undefeated, and sure. he's, you know, whatever. Things you, things you just can't compete against, yeah. right? Uh, don't have control against, more, yeah. more so than anything, which is what the Heisman race is. Sure, I think the, the biggest, I think, yes, he can. And for me, it comes down to what I've talked sort of ad nauseum now is that his numbers last year were good. They were not great. Um, and I think that if he puts up numbers like what Baker Mayfield did and what Kyler Murray did and what Jalen Hurts did in the same offense in those th- four straight seasons, that those guys did that, I think he has a very likely chance of repeating because then people will compare the numbers and go, my God, his quarterback rating is 30 points higher. Yeah, but he has to win the games because, the, you know, right. like what happened with Bryce Young, you lose a couple games and suddenly... Tua also. Tua yeah, looked like Tua he was going to be a lock and he, he didn't win it because the there was this guy named Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Wait, was Joe Burrow? No, 2018 was Tua? I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, yeah. Um, all right, next next question comes from Touchdown USC. How many, how many players... Uh, from Arizona will transfer to SC at the year's end. At least Maybe t- one. Maybe Tatara McMillan is the next uh, is the next target for for USC. It, it, is this the thing? Does Lincoln Riley just like have Dorian Singer give him like the, a the USC Arizona game is just a tryout for the Arizona guys to get targeted? And then Dorian Singer just hands him a a, yeah. a, a business card, yeah, that says "Do not call until this date because of tampering." Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, John John says, how are you guys doing? I hope you're okay after the hurricane. <laughs> Reese from Cape Town asking you too. The hurricane was hilarious because we're literally, the rain is coming down. We were at my, my folks place because we were doing a, a, we were supposed to do a barbecue. They got rained out, obviously. So we were inside doing our barbecue and all of a sudden it just starts to sway a little bit. And I was just like cackling like crazy because of course we're having a tropical storm and California came through with the with the first earthquake in a while actually yeah um so first we're, we're first doing sort of we're doing fine we're doing fine to be honest where we are was never a, a major um a major issue it's it's really the deserts we're having a lot of difficulty because they're just not used to getting this level of rainfall mm-hmm. to be honest storms that we had in february were felt worse than this uh, when we lost power and and had other things going on so uh with the with roads and stuff like that so but we, yeah, we know okay. friends who did lose power so like we do I- not yeah so it's just sort of where you are the you know la is so huge you know that so thank thanks reese for asking though yeah, and a uh, big shout out to to our pals over in, in Cape Town. Yes. Uh, Lincoln's Visor says, which team except for Cal in the back half of the schedule is most likely to have had its wheels fall off the bus by the time SC plays them? This is a great the question because 
every year we look at the schedule and what we think it's going to be, it ends up not being because of something. So the, so yes. the, 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 the answer is Utah. And that is mainly because if Cam Rising isn't playing or isn't like, is, is not there, then if it's think, COVID year, Utah. Yes. Um, I think it's possible. It's, it's highly possible. It's Notre Dame given what, I mean, literally what happened last year to Notre Dame could again be uh, something that happens to Notre Dame. Um, they did beat Clemson last year. They did, but they, they get, they get Ohio state. They're on the road at NC state. Um, you know, it could get interesting for them. So I think Clemson was also a mess last year and, sure. and also a team that, uh, yeah, sort of, I think Notre Dame's record might not be great. I think they might end up going nine and nine and three, eight and four or whatever, but I think they're going to end up being a better team than the record says. And then the other thing is I just sort of, maybe I, maybe this is naive, but like, I think Notre Dame is too much of a lock to be no worse than eight and four. And the bust-prone teams on the schedule are Utah strictly because of the injury stuff. Mm-hmm. No other reason, because I think that in if it wasn't for injuries, I think Utah is a guaranteed nine and three or better. Uh, yes, 100- but it's Utah and UCLA because I don't know what the hell UCLA is. If UCLA was a three-win team or a three-loss team, I would believe both. Having having said what I said about like I think Notre Dame just because it, it's Notre Dame and sometimes these things happen Utah for the Cam Rising injury but my actual answer is Oregon um, and that's just because Oregon plays a bunch of teams before they get around to USC like uh, you know at Texas Tech in week two is a is a sort of sleeper game that I think could get dangerous for them yeah um, they get a they get a look at Colorado before USC gets even even gets a look at Colorado. Uh, they get Washington and Utah both on the road. They could have a handful of losses before that game comes around um, just because of the way their schedule plays out. Jessica says, who do you think would be a secret weapon for USC this season? Uh, is Taj Washington count? Um, no, I, I'll say no. No, okay. Uh, secret weapon. Jacoby Lane maybe because mm-hmm. he's been the talk of fall camp so far as just a, a mismatch nightmare. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe he's he's the guy that I'll I'll point to. Um I got one. Yeah. Like McCree. That was gonna be my other yeah. Yeah. I was tempted to say Michael Jackson the third, but I, I'm yeah. think I'm gonna say Lake McCree. Yeah. Cause in terms of a spirit of like a secret weapon thing. Whereas I think if if Michael Jackson the third ends up having a great year, he's going to be doing things that people expected from the other receivers that he just, he's just going to be very productive. Whereas Lake McCree has the element of like, this is the last thing you possibly could expect is this dude streaking up the sideline at, at, at tight end. Um, because I think a lot of the focus is going to be on sort of Deuce Robinson being that guy. And I think that Lake McCree is going to start at least as the, you know, starter at tight end. And that's where the, I think he's going to get up more opportunities than, than people think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn says, who does USC play in the Pac-12 championship game? Utah, maybe. I, we just talked Oregon about how State. Utah could, is potentially could have a season where injuries prevent, prevent them from doing what they want to do. But I have a hard time saying anyone other than Utah because the last four Full seasons, take the COVID year out of there. The last four full seasons, they've been in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Greg says, would Lincoln Riley fire Grints if they go 10-2 and, and not make the playoffs? 
It's not the record. It's it's how many games you give up 40 points. Yeah. If they go 10 and 2 and they 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 are 3 points out of the playoffs, but those two losses are like 24-21 or something like that? Yeah. That then you're not firing Grinch. Right. Um if you if you're winning every game in the back half except for two while winning 40 Five to forty-three. Right. Then, yes, absolutely, you should move on from Alex Grinch. the 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 leash should be very short. It, mm-hmm. It's really a, because because this decision this year is about whether or not you believe that Alex Grinch can win a, a national title with you. Right. And if you're continually giving up forty-five points to the better teams on your schedule, um. That's going to say whether or not you can actually compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world when yeah. you get to playoff time. So, yeah, it's less about record and more about um, points per game or performances, really. Yeah, I, I would agree. All right. We, we said we have to finish with a uh, email that we got from Tony and Denora PA. So Tony says, uh, Michael and Alicia, this is Tony from Denora PA. Of course he does. That's what he says he says i do this every year a week before the first game of the season just want to send you guys this picture of what a cookout plate should look like fight on and there's a picture and the picture is here as we're showing on on the old youtubes uh lisa describe the uh describe the picture for our audible listeners all right we've got a uh a a Plastic white plate that I have mm-hmm. eaten food on before. Excellent oh, yeah. plates for disposable. Those are those are the the the, the premium <laughs> premium disposable plastic plates that you get. So A plus at, at there. A, if you're gonna have disposable plates at a at a wedding or a Thanksgiving or something like that, these you're are gonna the ones have these. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I know that's what everyone wanted to hear. No, there is a big old helping of baked beans that yes. look outstanding uh next to that is that potato salad or or mac salad or looks like potato salad. it might be potato salad it's a little bit hard to tell but you guys get the get the gist of 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 what we're talking about and then uh it looks like a, a you know a little stack of, of ribs now personally i would prefer my ribs to look a little bit more saucy than those look those look like a dry rub maybe um but uh, it's a, it's a good looking plate that I would absolutely crush. West Texas Mike says Michael's not going to like that. The food <laughs> is touching one another. Yes, the food is all touching one another. Yes, um, but I will say I, I'm just going to pretend that salad is not in there. <laughs> not a fan. Um, the ribs look good. Yes. I like a dry rub. Don't give me ribs loaded in sauce. Give no, me a dry like rub. Give me a saucy rib. Um, not usually a baked bean guy, but I can do baked beans and the baked beans look like they're probably pretty good. They do. So I, I, I think that could work. Um, but yes, the problem is that there's touching here between the pasta or mac salad, whatever this is. I think it's potato salad, um, and the beans. And that is such a huge violation um, this makes it hard to give it a full passing grade to Tony, but I appreciate the effort. And uh, Tim and LA says we're doing rod cookout plates now. It, we can be this. This could be what this is. Cherry just cookout at the plate. end of every episode, we just say we just give analysis as on a plate of food. 
as long as we get an invite to the cookout. Of course, that's 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 the key caveat. So, uh, Tony, next year we'll 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 be in PA, and uh, we're gonna look up. He's from Denora, PA. We'll look up how far Denora, PA is from State College, when SC plays Penn State, and we we expect an invite to the cookout. There you go. Yeah, Just feed us some ribs. I would I would I I was <laughs> I would crush this plate. I would absolutely crush it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Only um, thing, honestly. Honestly, the only thing missing there is some sort of bread item, like a roll or a slice mm, of a yes, slice of white or anything like that. Um, yeah, a something Hawaiian to soak roll? up. So oh, a Hawaiian like something to soak up the baked bean the the the, the baked bean sauce. Um, that's the only thing missing from this. How bread. do you feel about bread in Texas barbecue? I love the practice of Texas barbecue of giving you the just like. Wonder Bread, like Mrs. White, Baird's, white loaf, whatever. It's usually Mrs. Baird's, and like you look at it, you're like, "What is this low rent, like crappy white bread doing here?" Like, it's so why? good though. Like, it's my like, Rudy's barbecue. Like, it's sort of it's always know, the same. They, like, they literally just hand you a bag, a loaf of of just slices of white bread, and it's just like yeah. this is yes. Well, my carb loving heart is happy. Yeah, we go to Hutchins, and it, yeah, it's literally just loaf just after loaf, loaf of, of Mrs. Baird's, and they just open yeah. one, a new one when they need to. the 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 fascinating part, of course, is that like there's the idea of Texas toast, right? Mm-hmm. I have yet to see Texas toast in Texas, <laughs> with the exception, yeah. Of like ordering it at Whataburger or something. Like if you you order when you get the Texas toast, uh, yeah. Like, like if you get the burger on Texas toast, which you can do, but yeah. like you, the, Texas toast doesn't exist. Texas <laughs> toast is like made by by Big Bread, and Big Bread is not based in Texas. <laughs> that that's yeah. That that's my thought there. So. Uh, West Texas Mike says I feel like I'm in prison camp when they hand me the crappy white bread yeah that, that's the it yes, is it is a little but it weirdly does the trick like it I makes no it. sense those are just the little things in life that you just the simple things are the best thing yeah it yeah. it, it, it ser- weirdly finds a way to work so alright uh, Alicia we started this this episode at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific yeah uh, it's going on 7.30. One of our famed two and a half hour episodes. I saw a message earlier that said that, oh, I'm super late, but but um, it's just from Dan. I've got to scroll up forever to find this. Then a million comments here on, on YouTube. Uh, it was something along the lines of, I'm super late, but they're still going. Oh, here it goes. Dan, um, I'm almost two hours late and the show is still live. Rot is so back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, there's a lot to talk about. USC hired an athletic director. We had to go game by game to talk mm-hmm. about things. We did a mailbag. It's just like, you know, each of these things could be its own episode. So of course we go. Yeah, absolutely. Go and now's when we tell you guys that um, we uh, we we appreciate all you guys for joining us. If you've been here this long, uh, you are our favorite person ever. First of all, if you've been here this long. What are you doing? Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Five stars. It'll help grow the show. But Even if more than anything, it'll show us how much you we know that you love us, apparently. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button. Yes. Um, if you are somebody who uses Apple Podcasts, even if you have given us a review before, go in and give us a new five-star review. Yeah. That helps, too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and if you want bonus episodes, like Thursday nights when we do our Ron After Dark hangout, a little live stream hangout thing, uh, you can join us. Uh, $4.99 a month for all of our bonus content. Uh, we'll do bonus, all of our bonus content. You, you get access to that. You also get access to the Discord um, where we can talk USC football and whatever else is on your mind. Uh, throw things in there. And this reminds me, I we got Discord questions that I didn't pull for the rundown. So we're going to have to get to those later. But um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of things to talk about all week. So uh, lots of stuff. Uh, and as West Texas Mike says, we made it. We effing made it. <laughs> yes, we, we made it through the off season because it's game week. And Wednesday will be our first game preview episode of the season. USC and San Jose State. We can't wait to be back. We hope you, you're going to join us live on YouTube Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Uh, for that. And if not, then listen to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll be there too. So until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya.